Welcome to the Social Flight Live podcast, an audio version of our live show, hosted every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have a fantastic show for you this evening. Dave Hall, the man behind Moto Art and Plane Tags, is here, and we're going to hear all about that. It's going to be an awful lot of fun as we ramp up for Air Venture. Now, just a few things. First of all, uh, Social Flight's Fly to Win Challenge is just red hot. We are giving away an Aspen E5 electronic flight instrument, glass for your aircraft. And all you need to do is get the free Social Flight mobile app. Just check in at your local airport and you are entered to win. In addition to that, you can go and check in wherever you fly, get more points, get on our leaderboard, and you have an extra entry in the contest in order to win. And so it's just uh, it's just a great opportunity to have a fantastic instrument that we actually use in our Titan Mustang, in our Bonanza. Uh, absolutely uh, love Aspen's products. So be sure to check that out. And we just gave away a Lightspeed Zulu 3 headset as well. So all sorts of things. We just keep rolling and rolling with all of these gifts. In addition to that, of course, we will be out next week at AirVenture. So if any of you are going to be at AirVenture, we are running our Snag Some Swag uh, challenge that we do where um, we are just randomly going to be around the show. We will be at different partners. If you see any of the partners here on this sign behind me, Go visit them. Ask when we've been around. We will be spending some time at them. And if you swing by, we bump into you. If we still have some swag for that day left, then uh, you'll uh, get some. So uh, all sorts of cool things that we have to give away. So come um, come grab us there at AirVenture. And I'm so looking forward to meeting all of you. And I'll be there with Jake and Ben as well. Uh, tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Bose Aviation and the new AV30. Uh, it is really something you've got to check out. It's, uh, you know, uh, thought the if you thought the AV20 was state of the art, then you've got to check out the AV30. All digital, all these new features. It is lighter. It's just uh, amazing. So much less clamping force uh, on your head. It's it's a joy to fly with. So be sure to check that out. And of course, we exist here at Social Flight because of those folks. So please, please, if you ever reach out to any of those sponsors, just thank them for what they do to make all of this possible. Now, on to tonight's guest. Uh, Dave Hall has never flown an airplane and doesn't have his pilot's license, but if you spend a few minutes with him, you'd think otherwise, because his life is literally surrounded by aircraft and aviation history. Dave co-founded Moto Art, creating some of the most iconic aviation furniture and art pieces in the world. The Adventures of Launching Moto Art was even featured in the Discovery Channel series Wingnuts, which is a spectacular and engaging reality TV classic. Totally worth checking out. If you haven't seen it, jump on YouTube after the show and uh, take a look for yourself. Uh, it, it's really, really engaging and a lot of fun to get uh, a look back at the launching of Moto Art. Always innovating, Dave went on to expand the business and make his fashion accessible to everyone through plane tags, where you can get your own piece of aviation history in the palm of your hand. Every piece, every tag has a story, whether it's moto art or plane tags, 
and we are going to hear all sorts of ones tonight here and stories. I'm going to bring Dave on the line now. Please help me welcome to Social Flight Live, Dave Hall. How are you doing, Dave? Good, Jeff. Thank you for having me. And wow, what a what a roundup you put there in front of me. I hope I am uh, entertaining and keep the conversation going for you here tonight. Hey, you know what? You can't do anything else when it comes to like what the actual story is. Your story right. is so fascinating that, I mean, you could literally answer everything only factually and it would be riveting. <laughs> right. Well, it's been 23 years now. So, you know, it, the, the memory gets a little foggy, but it's, it seems like that's all I remember now is just motor arts. And, and uh, you know, uh, it, it just it started on a whim. It was a, a hobby that spun out of control. And here we are 23 years later, you know, still kicking out the hits and and there's no end in sight. So it, we're all having a lot of fun. It's not just me. We have an incredible team here of almost 26 people that work here every day. Um, so um, I'm just I'm, I'm happy to be surrounded by talented people to make all this possible. So tell me tell me that story, because first of all, I, I will say, you know, there are people that, that are entrepreneurs, self-starters, creative people uh, that are always searching for that hit, that one thing that's going to be their passion and be successful. You're someone that has had two. So, well, you've probably had more than that, to be honest, but I, I, I'm only intimately uh, familiar with two of them. And so let's start with, with MotoArt. Well, when I started MotoArt, you know, I came from a uh, sales and marketing background and, and met my, uh, my old partner at a uh, architectural sign company. Um, and it was a, an incredible company. We were here in Los Angeles. We were working for all the major theme entertainment companies, Disney, Universal Studios. Uh, we were doing stadium work. And I was like a kid in a candy store because it was these huge, beautiful graphics packages were coming across my desk every day. Um, and then one day, everything changed. One day we had a scrap aluminum guy came by our yard and had an old beat up propeller. And my partner, uh, Donovan, who was my estimator at the time, rescued it. And um, he had worked on it and created our first piece, which was a propeller sculpture. And that's where it started. I'd walk in his office. I'm like, Donovan, this is stunning. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna take it up to the Rose Bowl swap meet and sell it this weekend. And that's what he did. He went up to the Rose Bowl swap meet and he sold that sucker for like a thousand dollars. And he came back and he goes, I can't believe someone bought it and it's a thousand bucks. I'm like, a thousand dollars? Like, Dom, you worked on that thing for like a hundred hours. And um, so that's where the idea was to start a business. I said, look, let's take these sculptures and let's go to the Barrett Jackson show in Scottsdale, Arizona and sell all these. So that's exactly what we did. We set out. And we made six of these sculptures. We sat in my garage up in Redondo Beach, sanding these propellers all day and night and and took them to the Barrett Jackson show. And we sold every single one of them. And uh, we called ourselves propeller art. And and that's all we had were propellers. And that and really what we saw was the the attraction of what we're doing. They were almost like human lures. They're beautiful and shiny and bright. And, and everyone who walked by our booth was gravitated towards these sculptures. And what really packed the punch was the aviation history that contained with what we were working with. And um, that's where my eyes opened up and said, look, this is, no one's doing what we're doing. And, you know, we went out to breakfast one morning and we started penciling literally on the napkin. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous. That's how businesses start. 
it literally started on a napkin where we started like, hey, let's just take a wing and make a desk out of it. And we'll take a galley cart and we'll make it into a bar. And let's put a piece of glass around the sculpture and we'll make it functional. And so that's where the light bulb went off. And, and um, at the same time, um, you know, I had all these beautiful, you know, we had no money. I mean, absolutely no money at all. But I, I was reading, you know, a magazine was actually a Maxim magazine. And back in the Maxim, it was what's hot and what's new. You know, they had these little itty bitty editorials in the back. And I'm like, what do you bet these guys would dig these propeller sculptures we're doing? So I photographed them. I worked with a, a, a graphic designer and we created a, a package. And I took the top eight editors of Maxim magazine. I sent them all the same package, hoping to create water cooler talk. And they called. They said, this is awesome. These, these, are, these sculptures are beautiful. What else can you come up with? And of course, I'd rattle off. We can do a wing desk and we do a Kelly card and we can do this. this great come to new york we're going to give you two pages in maxim magazine this is back in 2002 when magazines were all the all the all the talk um and that's what we did and that was the launch pad of moto art back in 2002 and away we went and it was just at that point editorial after editorial after editorial and we learned the game you know where we make something new you photograph it and then you send it out to all the magazines and they would write about it right? Because they were looking for eye candy to put in their magazines. So it was, a, it was a, a great little formula that Donovan and I had where we were introducing brand new designs using, uh, you know, vintage aircraft in our, in our artwork to create, you know, conversational pieces. Wow. That's how it started. You, when you first did Maximum, uh, other than the propellers, were you just telling them ideas or did you actually have those pieces at that time? No, literally just tell them ideas. I was I was basing it on <laughs> that breakfast I had with a napkin. Uh, no, we 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 had very limited. I mean, we just literally had the propeller sculptures and uh, and moto art. I, it really wasn't a name yet. You know, we chose moto art because it, the domain was open. We wanted it to be uh, a, a name that would um, that we could do any type of industrial art, right? We, right. we wanted to do trains. We wanted to do planes. We wanted to do auto. Um, and that's why we chose Motoart, and it stuck. And of course, all these years later, you can see basically we're in the aviation industry, and that's where we found our niche, and that's what we love doing. Now, okay, so so you're back there, and you 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 pitch things like a desk, et cetera, that you haven't actually done before. But that this can't be easy to actually take something that you had this great idea for and then realize what does it take to take the structure of let's say uh, an elevator and make it presentable and then support it to turn it into a desk and answer all these questions about how does this actually all work right what was that what was that like when when you had to deal with because art make, art has to meet practicality at some point right, right? kind of make it up as you go along kind of thing. You know, we wooed them with the propellers. You know, we actually had our first functional piece in the submittal, which was what we call the DC-3 martini table, which is a toothpick DC-3 propeller that we put three quarter inch green glass surrounded with a C-130 propeller gear dome, beautiful piece. So it was had functionality to it. And then along with the other sculptures, um, it, it was a really, you knocked it out in left field submittal. You know, we made sure when I sent the submittal in, I sent to all eight editors that before you even opened up the envelope, you knew there was something special in it. I mean, I laid out everything I could 
to get these guys to open it and create water cooler talk amongst all the editors. And it was Charles Cox, a senior editor who called me. And I remember I was so nervous taking that phone call. I didn't even write down his name, number or anything. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Hung up the phone. And the next week was the most agonizing week waiting for that phone to ring again or an email or something. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't write his information down. Well, they called and they said, great. Hey, come to New York. We'll see you guys in two months. Go ahead and create what you can create. And that's what we did. We set out, went to the local boneyard up in El Mirage, up in Mojave, and started just taking parts and started working with them to get enough to create um, about five pieces. You know, we took a galley cart, an old drink cart, put some diamond plate on it, we put a sound system and some speakers on it, you know, so you could walk around with a battery pack. Um, we took a DC-9 stabilizers, and we got some rocket ducting. Uh, it was really just really a funky looking piece for the legs. Um, we had that DC-3 martini table. We had a Lockheed Constellation propeller sculpture. Oh, and then Donovan's piece, which was magnificent. We had something called the Git Bomb Table, which was a World War II practice bomb that we put a B-52 stator around it. And then we made it so you could open it up and there was an ice bucket. And we called <laughs> the Git Bomb Table. So they thought that was a hoot. And what that did, Jeff, is it, it, you know, came out and we thought we were going to be millionaires overnight, right? We're like, oh my God, Maxim Magazine has a readership of 3 million people and blah, blah, blah. We're going to be millionaires. And what we didn't realize was it really wasn't our demographic. Of course, everyone loved it. But, you know, when you're spending 100 hours on something, you're not giving it away. You're, you're charging thousands and thousands of dollars. And that was one of the things that Maxim kind of poked fun with. Hey, you know, poked fun with was, you know, you know, fly mile high with mile high prices, you know. And you realize the demographic of Maxim magazine was 23, 24 years old, right? So when it came out, what it did, it was it it, it created a snowball effect with from other publicity uh, magazines, you know, Men's Journal, Architectural Digest, all of them start calling us, and we just had this just this huge snowball of publicity for the first year of Moto Art. And that's really what gave us the, the feet to keep the business going was through the PR. And that then as you mentioned, I, I mean, you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're aspirational, right? I mean, that, that that's really what it is. You've got these like aspirational pieces. It's almost like the old days of FAO Schwartz and they'd have like one big thing at the end, like, and you know, your yeah. kid could be driving along in a model of a Rolls Royce, you know? Right, right. And it, it, what it was, and then finally, um, it, it was, and you mentioned, it was Discovery Channel that came around in like late 2003, said, this this is fantastic, you guys got something here, do you want to do a TV series? And of course, the answer to that is yes. And this is very early on, on with the, uh, the reality TV. Reality TV was pretty new at the time. Um, and here we were, you know, uh, two years in a business, we had our own reality TV show, and it was art versus commerce and that was the whole premise of the, the company you know having a great idea but taking that great idea and taking it to the market and you know making a living off of it and which is not easy to do i mean i can't tell you how many times I, you know in the early eight early days of moto art the struggle of keeping the business alive and keeping it going and believing what you're doing and what you're doing is a good thing and and, and the hard work will eventually pay off so wow and, and so they found you. Discovery came to you for that series. Yeah, that's another story. Um, <laughs> we uh, uh, 
my partner was watching uh, Orange County Choppers and was very early on and saw that and said, we can do a TV show. And I thought he was full of crap. And, and before you know it, we contacted someone who uh, was in the industry. And long story short, it took within days, we had a signed deal with Discovery. And <laughs> it was three one-hour episodes to start. Um, they saw the, the craziness of what we had going on. They gave us another five episodes. And, and after we got done filming the eight episodes, we started negotiating the second season. And unfortunately, it ended tragically where my TV partner, a guy named Tim Roberts, uh, fell, just fell over dead. And in the middle of the night, 39 years old, you know, got that 5 a.m. wake up call that you never want to get that Tim had passed away in the middle of the night. So, you know, while we were on the top of our game with Discovery Channel and being the primetime show, we had lost our good friend. Um, and things went pretty dark after that for the next few months. So it was a, definitely a tough time. Wow. What, so, what was your experience with those days of reality TV? How much of that was real and, and like, were things scripted at all or how, what was that like? No, you know, it, it's, um, we knew the beginning and we knew the middle and we knew the ending. That was the, the recipe. You know, you had two weeks, basically two to three weeks of film, a one hour episode. Um, you know, it, it was really up to us to create the, the plot line. Um, you know, they'd call me and say, okay, hey, what's the next episode? I mean, okay, let's, you know, let's go find bombs. Let's go, you know, cut up a wing uh, on in, in Roswell. And, you know, well, we'll sell it to this guy. So we'll know basically the premise. But, you know, it, it, what you really end up doing is you're working for the cameras, right? I always say, be careful what you're wishing for. It's really a hyped parallel reality of really what's going on in your life. So when you watch that one hour episode, you think you know everything that's going on. But what you don't realize is, you know, we just filmed two, three weeks for that one hour episode and the editors are slicing and dicing the story they want to tell. You know, and I, I can't tell you countless times, you know, we get done filming an episode or, you know, you're doing the, the block of the days of filming an episode and high-fiving each other. Like, that was a great show. And then we watched it and it was about, you know, the, the divorce, the fight, the drama, you know, and they left out all the real parts of what, what we do for day to day. And so reality TV, they really look for that drama and they really do the best they can to poke it out of you while you're filming. And, you know, and I always say, be careful what you wish for. You know, if you want to sell a bunch of T-shirts, you know, reality TV might be your thing. But you really want to run a business like what we're doing, extremely difficult to do with reality TV, right? Because the production comes first, the business comes second. And, that, and they tell you that every day. Look, just do the production. Business will follow, right? So while you're working in front of those cameras for what I think we did six, seven months for those eight episodes, you know, that's all you did was work for the cameras. It was very mm. nerve wracking. You know, I'd, I'd go to Home Depot and I had six people follow me with cameras and I was a nobody, you know, and, 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 you know, and when it came to air, the, the, you know, the notoriety they gave us is again, be careful what you wish for. You know, I, I couldn't imagine being you know, a big celebrity like Harrison Ford or something where you're walking around and everyone knows who you are, you know, yes. it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tricky situation. Glad I did it. I really am. I'm happy I did it, uh, but I'm not sure if I'd want to revisit any time in the in the near future. Yeah, you know it's interesting. We've had you know Mikey on with Buffalo. I've had Ariel Tweedo on the show. They all were part of those you know reality series, and and it is a challenge because they're all businesses. They're all 
running business and then you invite that into your life and it becomes a lot about how can we create drama? How can we create conflict? How can we tell a story about what's going on? Right, right. It's it's for ratings, you know, they want the drama. And so Yeah. So and, back and, to and, the, Yeah, go ahead. Go so back to the pieces, back to the motor art, back to this stuff. So you start coming out with the with some of these things. Take me through and I I'll, I'll bring up a couple of the pictures. Take me through the process um, whether it's early on or a little bit later that um, that you go through to get a piece to find the the core of, of what you're looking to work on and then how to turn something that you know we all see as mechanics in the field these things as they're produced for their purpose are not pretty and right. and are not perfect in any way and and all the other things around it Tell me a little bit about how you how you find it, how you make it, how do you actually turn it into something gleaming that that someone wants in their office and and is right. straight. Yeah, you know, the real trick for us was, and we learned this early on, is whatever you introduce has to be a series, right? You can't really get too many one of a kind pieces out there. When you sit right. there and focus on one of a kind pieces, you're not going to be able to create what we create, right? Because by the time you make it. You know, you got to photograph it, you got to market it, and if you only have one of them, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, what happens when you sell it? You then you're running around trying to find something that you kind of like it, you know. So the trick was find things that we had access to, things that we'd have multiples of, and it was pretty easy, you know, the, in the get-go. You know, we, you know, the DC nines were coming offline. Well, they have beautiful T-tails, and those T-tails were very thin. You know, where you cut them and perfect for making a desk out of, or the engine cowlings, taking a 747 or 727 and, you know, flipping it on its side and cutting it and making a little reception desk out of it. Galley carts, well, that's a no-brainer. You know, there, there's hundreds and hundreds of galley carts, you know, creating a, a kind of a fun bar out of it. So we'd really go and focus on things that we found. Now, you know, commercial aviation, as I say, it's a dime a dozen. You know, there's so many planes coming off the line right now. Um, you know, we've sliced and diced these things a hundred different ways to create the different pieces of art we do, but we're always looking for, you know, unique things, you know, like we might be at a, an aircraft auction, you know, where it might be, um, you know, Hawkins and Power, you know, up in Grable, Wyoming, you know, we bought a lot of material there, a lot of C-119 material, a lot of C-130 flaps, you know, stuff that was used uh, to back up their, you know, their flying uh, aircraft. Um, so we'd go and buy stuff in lots. Hey, look, C-130 flaps. Well, geez, we can, you know, get 20 of these flaps. Let's make that, that conference table, you know. So we'd mm. go and get one and polish it up and make it beautiful and photograph it. And then, boom, that would be a line. Um, you know, another place that we went that was uh, worth talking um, was back in uh, uh, Tucson. You know, back when we first started this, back in 2001 and 2002, Tucson was a whole different game. Uh, because uh, back in the day, you could go and they had like these little miniature boneyards set around Davis Mothin, and you could go and literally buy B-52 ejection seats. You could buy F-4 ejection seats. You could buy whatever you want. And there was a company called National Aircraft down there. And I'm still friends with the guy who used to run it. He was got to be 90 by this point. But um, when we started going there, he kept telling me, he goes, Dave, see this big yard? And this yard, I mean, it was mountains of, of airplane parts. He goes, this is going to be a dirt lot in three years. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He goes, yep, the laws have changed. 
And this was around the time where the Stop Arming Iran Act got signed in place, where people got caught selling F-14 parts to Iran. Well, the, the Homeland Security ran in and really became hands off. No civilians were allowed to own anything military at that point. So national aircraft who we were buying parts from, um, they were getting no new material in, right? So that was, they were no longer getting material off Davis Mothin. So what they had at that point was just a dying business. So I, I took a loan from a good friend of mine and went out there and bought like 50 F4 ejection seats. I bought a bunch of B-52 ejection seats. We bought some F4 burner cans. We bought, uh, you know, C-124 cargo floors. I mean, we bought as much as we could knowing that this company was going out of business. Wow. And, and, you know, when I promote that I have F-4 ejection seats or I have B-52 ejection seats, it's from National Aircraft from back in the day. And just as he said, three years later, National Aircraft is now a dirt lot, no longer exists. So nothing's coming out of Davis Moth anymore. So that's I hope crazy. that answered that in a long. No, it, it, it's, it's true. You know, I want to I want to show a couple of things here so that uh, uh, people have a, a sense of what some of these pieces are, because this 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 almost might be one of the most dramatic ones that you do. Well, you got to realize that looks so small there. That is a gigantic piece. That's a 11 foot diameter glass top that comes off of the 747. Um, and that's a conference table. Um, yeah, there you see some chairs around it. That actually got in Wrigley's, believe it or not, is the most unique conference table. <laughs> I, got, I got the copy. I couldn't believe that they picked that. But um, we've only made probably about six of those. But again, we picked that one because we knew we can get 747 engine cowlings. And that was, a you know, we took the time to professionally photograph it and video video it and so we were able to sell more than just one right yeah and then you basically come up with a formula here's how you're making all the different parts of it and the process for it yeah 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 we create templates and the whole thing now that piece there probably about 250 hours in it so wow. uh and another thing to to notice there you see how it's an all aluminum cowling well, mm -hmm. that's a thing of the past too. That came off the 747-200s. Yeah. And we learned the hard way. We went back up to Mojave one day to go get a new 747 because it's kind of our bread and butter, these cowlings. And we realized it was composite. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, pretty hard to polish. <laughs> right. So this, the, the, the days of all aluminum cowlings are coming to an end because they just, you know, they, they, they weaned them out. So, um, you know, now we're dealing with a lot of composite aircraft, a whole nother story, but the, right. that's truly a, a stunning piece of 747-200, all aluminum, and it just takes a monster amount of time to polish that out. How do you handle the, the, I mean, I would imagine that not only are you polishing it out, but that they are far from perfect. Yes. Um, I mean... Are, aren't you dealing with dents and, and scratches and all sorts of, you know, problems? I mean, when right. someone goes, if they're going to spend big money and get something that's this corner thing, I doubt in their mind they're expecting that chair number four has a dent in it, you know? Right, right. We have a fam famous saying around here, Jeff. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, right? And, that and that's what you educate your customers about? Yeah, that aircraft flew around the world 50 times, if not more. That is a, a beauty mark. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is they have to live with it <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it is what it is i mean we disclaim that i mean my proposal i had a little disclaimer 
in, in my proposals, you know, that imperfections are part of the game that we're dealing with, you know. Yeah. Um, there's another one. There's, um, uh, you know, we're, that's a DC-9 or, or an MD-80. Um, one of our original designs that we streamlined with a new leg design. Um, for, for a long time, we weren't using a glass top. Um, and, and then we had so many requests uh, because the pencils were rolling off that we created <laughs> a, a glass top. But to give you an idea, we've probably sold 300, 350 of those in the last 20 years. I mean, it's been a pretty regular staple uh, uh, piece that we do. Um, and again, we chose the DC-9 and the MD-80s because they were coming off the line. We had access to them. They were thin enough that you can get your legs underneath them. Um, so that's been a, a real staple of motor art uh, for the last 20 years. Wow. So that's a that's a good example. And I, I would, I mean, I'm guessing here that that one is a little less uh, exotic in terms of, or a little more ad- obtainable for... Well, uh, God, I hate to tell you. You know, look, you got you to gotta realize, before we even pick up a tool, Jeff, we're into that thing for thousands of dollars, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't mean like I didn't mean like price. I just meant like the other things seem like like that big table seems like almost one of a kind. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you that you could put in your home office. You might be able to talk the wife into that one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to when you talk about office, I want to I want to show people what your studio looks like a little bit here because this is your office. Your business. Your business. I mean, this yeah. is the most amazing uh, aircraft den, hangar space, anything you want to call it. Right. Um, man cave for aviation. Yeah, thank you. The This is, to take me through some of the stuff that we're looking at. Well, the back wall, you see the United States Marine, that's actually, I filled it up with my, my plane tags, uh, but that is actually a C-119 flying boxcar. What's funny is the other side of that half um, is Bob Parsons from GoDaddy has it. He we contracted and commissioned us to build him a conference table. Uh, he was a big time Marine, and I'm sure you guys know who might know Bob Parsons from GoDaddy is. And uh, so he commissioned us to go out and find the C-119 and cut up and make him a conference table. And so what you're seeing here is the other side. I took the other side and, and kept it and gave it made one side into a conference table for him. That's awesome. Um, the uh, above you uh, hanging is a practice drone uh, that I found out in Colorado. Um, it did have a little engine on the front of it, but I stuck a little nose cone on it. Um, on the back wall, you see the little gray chairs, the red outline. Those are navigator chairs from the 707. Um, and the pool table is just a beautiful. Oh, the, the, the bar itself, which is what I'm sitting at right now, that's made out of fuselage. Um, off a, a, a Boeing aircraft. You can kind of see the cowling on the top left. That's off of the B-52. So yeah. I'll switch to, to some others here that you've got because the artwork is just, it's just stunning. Thank you. Uh, here you're walking in. This is our entryway. We got some burner cans. That's what ignites the fuel in the jet engine where we powder coated them and made them into lights. Uh, you got a water jet cut uh, continental radial engine hanging on the wall there with some uh, some bomb t- uh, tail fins in the entryway. You Which, guys, by the way, you guys do all that, all the, all it yourself, all your own water jet cutting, all the other stuff. No, we send out water jetting. We send out powder coating, water jetting, glass. I mean, we we have our capabilities here. We got our, you know, uh, a couple metal shops. We got a wood shop. We got a sanding and polishing department, 
And now that I started playing tags, I've basically separated the company. And so we got one side that's kind of playing tags and one side is moto art. Yeah. I love this. I love the because to, to me, there's nothing more iconic for kind of like the glory days of air of, you know, at least modern air travel than the right. Boeing staircase for a 747. Yeah, they, that came off of a 747-100. Uh, those are so extremely hard to find. Uh, I've only found two, well, three. One of them was destroyed um, that probably could be redone, but uh, that's one of the ones I had. I was going to make myself a loft up there, but decided not to, um, and that's why I started it. And then I have one in the back of the shop that we uh, have not dressed it up. But, yeah, very iconic. Uh, you see that, and you immediately know uh, almost where that came from. Um, and then the back wall, that's C124 cargo flooring um, that you see there. And here, there's my wall of, uh, you know, different uh, cowlings. I got a B52, a couple F86s. I got a TBM Avenger there, F16, F80. So there's my – and then the, uh, dear to me is the propeller in the back. I'm not sure if you see it in that propeller in the back, but that's all of our signatures of some of the aviation legends, including Louis Zamperini and Richard Branson. and. Harrison Ford, um, uh, Elon Musk, he came here and he signed it for me. Um, look, you can even see my Berlin Wall. I got a piece of the Berlin Wall sitting there. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is so. That's really really impressive. So, what's tell me? Let's let's go back in. What's the process? So you guys go out and and you go out to a, a scrapyard. There's there's obviously a big team of or, or at least a team, right, of folks. You can't just uh, – no one's handing you these pieces. Right. Um, well, yeah, we, with the team, you know, like right now, this is our boneyard. So we have about an acre of land in Mojave, what you're showing them. Um, and you can see we've got a working on a B-52 that we cherry pick off of. There's a, uh, a PBY sitting next to it that was donated to us by the Pima Air and Space Museum. I had a DC-7, a P-2. Uh, but behind you, you'll see all the airframe parts. I mean, that, that yard is packed with thousands and thousands of airframes that we spent the last 22 years just collecting at auctions or stuff that people were throwing away or, you know, uh, just trying to give it another life. Uh, probably more than I probably should have. <laughs> I'm like, scratching my head what, what we're going to do with it all. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's our yard there. And that includes all these ejection seats. Right, that part of that national aircraft story I was telling you about, all those B-52 chairs. Um, what sold out were the F-4. We had the F-4s, which were bucket seats, and we had just a ton of those, but those all sold out. Here, these a lot of the Beach 18 parts. Anyone has any need for Beach 18 parts, I got them. Uh, we, we <laughs> so you're putting Beach that out there for everybody? At, at yeah, yeah, I mean. Matt and his crew. Right. Anyone needs a Beach 18 part, please call me. I'd love to donate it to you if you got a, a project in the works. Um, but you know, they, again, that, that would be a kind of an affordable coffee table or a desk that we offer, you know, that was something that we didn't necessarily take off a plane. Anytime we go to a plane and have to cut it off and the prices just start escalating. And these are things that we have found in auctions and, and, you know, stuff that were just kind of derelict parts. These are all skeletal airframes. We make conference tables out of those and desks. Mostly those are like C-119 stuff that just doesn't fly anymore, you know, mm -hmm. E-4s. Uh, so a lot of stuff that just has no use, uh, but we don't want to see it destroyed because it's destroyed and when it's gone, it's gone. 
right? There's just yeah. no bringing it back. Yeah, uh, it, it make, makes a lot of sense. Now, tell me a little bit about that process. So if I show another one here, which is really, um, uh, really gorgeous, I mean, how do you go from, how do you go to turn something from what we saw in the scrapyard into something like this? Well, I got to tell you, you picked one of the easiest ones. Uh, it, getting back to the C119, there's, there you are. You have your vertical um, uh, uh, rudder there. Um, you know, at one time that had a cloth covering. Uh, we picked this up at an auction because, you know, there's just no use really for the C119 flying boxcar anymore. And uh, this was powder coated, uh, a, a, like a granny apple green, half inch tempered glass. It was cut in the shape of the, uh, of the airframe. Um, the do you base, have to do a lot of prep? I mean, what, what kind of prep work before you can you can do it? Does it take a lot? To... I can tell you, you're picking one of the easiest ones that, that we have. That That's actually one that's relatively easy. What's difficult about this, Jeff, is they're so banged up. So you'll we'll spend a week getting all the, trying to get as many of the dents out of it and trying to make it straight. You know, there's a reason why it was taken off at one point. It was, you know, not a good rudder. Um, now we put diamond not diamond plate we turn that put like a turn aluminum laminate up underneath it to give it kind of umph but this one doesn't have it but the base the base is done we use a, a bamboo hardwood uh, on our bases and stain them black mm -hmm. pretty that makes sense yeah about something like this this very common we make a lot of these uh this is our fuselage conference tables we do those out of desks i mean look it, it, for the longest time we didn't work with windows and I, and I kept bugging my old partner. I'm like, look, this is the one common denominator of these windows. We got endless windows. So I finally sold a job uh, for a company called 19 entertainment here out of Los Angeles, 19 entertainment, just a name drop. They're the ones who started American idol and they had their offices at the old playboy building here in Los Angeles on sunset Boulevard. And I sold them on the idea of just creating walls of fuselage for the cubicles. They wanted to hide the cub cubicles that they had in this open floor plan. So I sold them the idea of using all these fuselage windows to, to hide all the cubicles. And at that point, we really started working with more fuselage. We started doing conference tables and desks and bookshelves, and even like the, the picture frames that now you see they're so popular uh, that people are using. Um, but yeah, that one, and it was shown, Jeff, that was shown in our satin finish. We offer mm -hmm. uh, in both mirror polish finishes and satin finishes. That was a good yeah. example of the satin finish. Yeah, I, I, I do like, there's so much that you can do with the sides of aircraft and, right. and turning them into, into right. just, just amazing things. That, that one's an all mirror polish finish. Again, here you got the fuselage up in the wall, mirror polish finish. That's a DC-9 stabilizer that we made into a coffee table. Wow, and then uh, the last one I'll I'll, I'll uh, show real quick here. Um, that's always I think again kind of iconic is is the uh, the ones where it's kind of the entryway to to anything, yeah. and you take an entire engine they sell and turn it into your your reception area. Isn't that stunning? I mean, again, there's that 747 200. It's a dying breed. I mean, if you want one. Call us. I mean, we're down. I, mean, I could you not? We're down to like maybe the like last six that I've I've earmarked, and outside that we start going into composite, which is changes everything. Wow. Right now we're working on a Jeff really kind of a cool one. We're working on a triple seven cowling. Uh, it's an information booth for uh, for an airport, and <laughs> this is actually kind of a funny story. 
Do you mind if I tell you a quick story? Go, go. That's why I, I, have, an, I have an airport that wanted this information booth and they wanted it big and grand. And, and I, I can't name drop on the airport yet, but, uh, because we signed an NDA, but, uh, they wanted this triple seven Cali and, and, and up in Mojave, there's, you know, it used to be this, when I first started 20 years ago, it was all L 1011s. And now we went into, now it's all 747s, right? All the L 1011s are gone. All the 747s, now they're getting cut up. But what's now replacing that are the triple sevens. So now you're starting to see a lot of triple sevens coming in. And, you know, I've been, you know, we have a good old boy deal up there. I've been doing business in Mojave for 20 years. We're really kind of part of the whole scenery up there at this point. And I convinced this airport, let's do a triple seven county. These things are massive. Yeah, yeah, they all love the idea. So I sold the idea. It gets specced in. Now they pull the green the, the trigger. It's a green light. Go get the triple seven cowling. Let's start on this project. And I went up to Mojave and I'm like, hey, you know, I need one of those triple seven cowlings. And they're like, um, did we have a conversation about this? I'm like, well, no, I've been buying 747 cowlings from you for 20 years. Because yeah, but these are the triple sevens. They just came off the line. Dave, do you realize the resale value of a triple seven cowling? And I'm like, you know. You know, ten grand? No, try like a hundred grand. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, I got it totally specked into this airport. And I think I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna eat a shit sandwich on this one. You guys gotta help me. So I went back to the airport and you know, I had to break them the bad news. And and um, we did get a change order to help compensate some of the costs. But uh, long story short, we were able to get a good price on it. And now we have a triple seven cowling on the shop floor, it's our first one, and this thing is gigantic. We can't wait to, <laughs> but it, it's composite. It's not aluminum, it's composite. You had a mirror polished leading edge, so. Wow, now you've done you've done pieces for some pretty famous people. I know you don't like the name name drop, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it for you, because I know that you, you uh, are, you're represented in Tom Cruise world. Yes, yeah, Mr. C, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, and I, I don't like the name drop. Um, I, oh, I I'm, I'm gonna make you do it. I, I have a lot of respect for, for uh, Mr. Cruz, Tom Cruz. Well, you know, we dealt with the Church of Scientology. Now, this wasn't yesterday. This was 10, 12 years ago. Um, but uh, we did have a pretty good relationship with uh, uh, the Church of Scientology, um, who was actually working the deal for Tom. He had his uh, new hangar at the time up in Burbank, and they wanted to dress it up with all sorts of fun stuff. And, and, um, and I can't really get into a lot of it, but you know, the thrill of course of me being, you know, you know, much younger man back in the day to actually have the privilege to, to, to work um, uh, with, with, the, with the group. And uh, I was so giddy about it. I actually printed an eight by 10 picture of me and my partner and I autographed it. And I, I sent it to him with the Motor t-shirt. And I laughed about that all night long that I sent him an autographed picture of me. <laughs> And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, spend a little time with them. I saw them at the National Aviation Hall of Fame. I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, the Living Legends of Aviation. And it was a black tie event. And uh, I had a chance to meet him and take pictures with him. And he thanked me and said you know, he was just blown away by our work and that he, he treasured it. And, um, and I, I tell you, I think he's a, he's a badass. I think he's a great actor. And I was honored to have a chance to work with him. But again, I, the only reason we're bringing up Tom Cruise is because he's in the news right now. You know, the new Mission Impossible. I uh, can't wait to go out and see it. And um, it was an, an honor to be able to, to work with him for the time we did. 
That's that's awesome. Anyone else come top of your head that uh, that people would know from movies, et cetera? Obviously, I'm sure there's there's tons of regular you know uh, wealth and heads of companies, but any yeah. any, any big things? I, I I'd much rather talk about the companies. I think it's uh, <laughs> well, I think it's notable. I mean, look, we're dealing with Rolls Royce and Pratt Whitney and Boeing and AOL and GoDaddy and NetJets. Um, General Electric, FedEx, these are who our clients are for MotoArt. You know, yeah. we, and that's what we learned that a long time ago, Jeff, is our clients aren't you and I. I mean, I can't afford my stuff, right? I mean, if, if I was going to aim for the average guy and make an, an average desk for everyone to afford, I wouldn't be in business right now. Yeah. I mean, as I told you earlier, the rule of thumb, before we can cut that, that stabilizer off that desk and bring in our shop. We're gonna do it for thousands of dollars. So we carved our niche in the corporate world. We make conference tables, we make reception desks, we make yeah. executive yeah. desks for, for the CEOs. Um, you know, I can tell you some funny stories about working for some of these companies, uh, but, uh, but you know, that's where the plane tags came from, right? Right, like, right. You and I can't afford the stuff. I'm not, don't mean to throw you under the bus, I'm speaking for myself, <laughs> but you know, and we had a pretty great built-in audience from wing nuts and all the publicity. We had this great email campaign that we're doing, showcasing all the new stuff from MotoArt. And everyone was like, what's next? What's next, right? Well, I, I uh, was toying around with uh, some old skin one time, and I came up with the idea of plane tags. And, and it was a P51, and I stamped it. And I'm like, yeah, instead of a dog tag, I'm going to call this a plane tag. And this was like back in 2008 or 2009, a long time ago. And that sucker sat in my pocket for years. And, and I never pulled the, 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 the trigger on it. And it wasn't until 2015 that I introduced it as a Black Friday special. And I, I picked like six different tags, six different aircraft, like a DC-3, B-25, a DC-9, an A320, very generic looking packaging and came out with it and it was an incredible response i i had this audience that was following the craziness of moto art through all these years just wanting to see what we're going to do next and here it was it was yeah, a $25 item they... everyone can afford right and, yeah. and away it went so grab something interesting from uh, from behind you show me something rare or something unique uh, from this, that's that's your that's your wall of plane tags fame. Um, yeah, this is I I I I I I try to keep numbers one through ten personally. You know, number one for me, number two for my daughter, number three for my son, number four from my significant other Yvonne, who helps me here at company. Um, and that's not an easy task to do because you know a lot of times we're dealing with manufacturers who are like, no 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 no, we want number one. Uh, but to give you some ideas, uh, what would be a fun one here? Um, okay, this is kind of fun. This is a Boeing 720. Now, what makes this unique is this Boeing 720 belonged to Ethiopian Airlines back in the 70s. And it was hijacked in like 1972, it, it was hijacked. And they had like six bad guys that came onto the plane, tried to hijack it, and they threw a grenade in the aisle. And one of the passengers picked up the grenade and threw it in back of the plane where it blew up. Well, plane gets stormed. All the bad guys died. All the good guys lived. But what makes this kind of remarkable was Raytheon 
end up buying this plane from Ethiopian Airlines. And they made a part of the Star Wars program that Ronald Reagan signed in for. Remember the whole Star Wars program? Yeah. So I had this big, they put this big like satellite door in it and we couldn't even really find out exactly what it did. But what a story, you know, this one plane, this Boeing 720. So that's one I, it's always kind of fun to tell. Um, well, this is kind of fun one. This is one that um, we were speaking about EAA. We just did a tag with EAA uh, for Air Venture. Um, this is off the uh, Berlin Express. A very, very short run. Uh, we only made 240 of these, and um, they dropped about 100 of them online last week, and they sold out within minutes. I'm hoping you'll be able to find them in the bookstore, or not bookstore, the, the, the gift stores there. Uh, I guarantee you they're going to go pretty quick. And these are what the collectors love, low edition series where they sell out immediately and, you know, then they go up in value. Wow. Another fun one. Um, I mean, wow, we even get involved with, this is kind of cool. This is the mobile launch platform uh, from NASA. This came from Cape Canaveral. Uh, this is the MLP2. And we literally cut that tail service mass off, which was what was connected to the space shuttle. And that is now sitting in the Mojave Desert. We cut it off and shipped it to Mojave, where we were able to torch it up in pieces, and we basically created uh, an MLP plane tag, which is more like a paperweight, and stuck it on an aluminum card here, and that is pretty special. So how do you get access to something like a NASA part of an MLP like that? Well, I'd love to take all the credit, <laughs> but I can't. Um, you know, we have one... And I got to give them a shout out. We have our Tagnetics. We, there's fan clubs out there that set up that people who collect these. Um, and I had um, a couple of the, uh, uh, are some of our biggest fans and supporters who reached out to me that heard about the MLP being uh, uh, demoed and put me front and center with the contractor who was doing it. And uh, that was uh, that was something that was pretty incredible. And it was, the, it was the thanks to people who, who basically help support the company and believe what we're doing. Uh, versus, that's a pretty broad question, you know, we work with a lot of people who do teardowns, right? Mm -hmm. We got to, you know, we're getting teardowns out of Mojave, Roswell, Victorville, San Bernardino, uh, Greenwood, Mississippi, Alabama. I mean, it, you know, commercial aviation, and I might have touched on this earlier, it's, it's, readily available to us, right? They're taking off all these aircraft. They're not fuel efficient anymore. You're seeing them just dump. I mean, look, I was out in Greenwood, Mississippi, and there was a whole fleet of A320s out there, right? In the middle of nowhere, because they had to find a place to park these planes, because they're hmm. introducing all these new fuel efficient planes, and they're trying to find places to park all these old planes, versus more special ones. Let me give you another one. All right, how cool is this? This is the Japanese Zero. This was pulled from the Marshall Islands. A gentleman named John Sterling went and traded a tractor for it. I guess he got two of them. And they pulled it from the Marshall Islands and a company called Legend Flyers up in Washington had been restoring it for the last eight years. And they invite us up. Um, when they do a restoration like this, Jeff, basically, the first thing that goes is all the skins, right? They can't mm -hmm. use the skins. What they do is they'll use the skins, they'll use them as patterns, they'll put new aluminum skins, and just as I thought, they kept all the old vintage skins. 
Now, a lot of these old timers did, but the B-17s, the B-25s, the P-51s, we were working with people who are actually restoring these aircraft. And it's kind of been a win-win for everybody. We go in there and say, hey, look, let's figure out a way to make this work for everybody. You know, uh, we have a pretty good audience. They're going to want to get a hell diver or a P-61 and own a piece of aviation history. And let's give back to the museum. Right. Let's give back to the people who are restoring it. And yeah, so it's, it's been a winning like a formula. Hero, that's crazy rare. Yeah, right? I was so honored. I mean, I couldn't believe it. we went up to, to Washington and, and – uh, and I, I literally almost had a tear in my eye when I saw the material and they were so excited for plane tax. You know, they're like, look, what are we going to do with it? Right. You know, they, which is true. What are they going to do with it? It's just going to sit in, the, in their hangar. So we did a deal with them where it's a win-win, you know, we want it to be beneficial for everyone. Not only is it beneficial for them, beneficial for us, but more importantly, it's beneficial to people who are collecting them because now they get to own a piece of aviation history, something so rare as the Japanese zero. Um, so yeah, it's in fact I got a an email from a museum in Japan just like, what are you doing with that? That's sacred material. You need to give us all the material. I'm like, ah, plain facts. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So but they all tell a story. Um we've we've done darn near 170 different aircraft. I, I kind of lose track. You know, we we do big runs for airlines like American Airlines, Delta, um, where you know, this is great. This is the collection. I love the collection, right? Yep. But when we are dealing with American Airlines or Delta or some of the others, you know, they order them by the tens of thousands, you know, which is kind of a big deal, you know, which is yeah. Keeps- like, how, how do you handle volume for something like like that? I mean, here's a here's a Delta. Yes. I mean, that that you have cannibalized for plane tags. What? Yeah. That's a that's a massive effort. Right. But you know what that one was? That was a puzzle we did for Delta Airlines. And that was pretty unique. That was for the profit sharing program back in like 2019. There you go, where we made a puzzle. So we made 92,500 puzzle pieces. And if you zoom in, Jeff, you can actually see the pieces of the puzzle on that. Uh, What they did is they originally wanted me to laser etch every single one of them. I'm like, there's no way. (laughs) So we literally went and we stamped them. And we had to make sure they're all interlocking. And this was a 45 foot by 24 foot puzzle uh, that they laid on the ground. And they brought a muralist in that painted over it. And every piece of the puzzle represented an employee. So that we, that we did in six weeks. That was an incredible job. And what was it like assembling the puzzle? <laughs> uh, that was, we did not have to do that. Uh, but I did <laughs> go out. Yvonne and I, my partner, we did go out and 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 celebrate with them. But you know, they they had the their their people put the puzzle together. I just had to make sure the plane was cut up and stamped and got it out to them. That's insane. That is that is truly amazing. Um, how how many people do you have there? How how do you handle something with ninety two thousand parts? But yeah, uh, we have about twenty six. Uh, here uh, rotating you know we we do a lot of air shows now it's something that we haven't really talked about but we're doing 15 air shows this season um uh and and so um when we get a big job like that in to answer your question though like you know we did a a run for uh, american airlines we did 150,000 plane tags for american airline they retired the md-80 and so we went and tagged the md-80 for all their employees that's a big assembly line i mean we have 
four state-of-the-art lasers. We have a full laser department here uh, that's running almost 24 hours a day. In fact, right now, I heard the machines going off. We've got a crew back there working right now, and it's after hours. So our crew will be here all night lasering tags. Um, when we have a big run, I mean, we're kind of set up for big runs. Uh, we'll just have tables set up in the back where, you know, ladies will come in and do all the assembly. Uh, but it is a process. But again, that's great work. You're talking a lot of tags. It's big money. This is where the passion's at. This is 100% where my heart is, 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 you know, documenting aviation history, learning about all these planes. I thought I knew a lot about planes, Jeff. When I had MotoArt and we were doing this crazy TV show and this and that, I, you know, I could talk myself out of an argument. I, you know, I thought I knew everything, but it wasn't until I started playing tags, I realized I knew nothing about aviation. And there's just so much incredible aviation history out there. I'm like a little kid that just absorbs it every two weeks launching a brand new product you know this week you know for eaa uh i mean not for eaa for oshkosh we're debuting piper we partnered with piper so we have a tri-pack of uh, piper coming out we got the pa30 pa28 and the pa36 coming out uh this this thursday in time for oshkosh that's awesome very very cool so we will see you out at uh, air venture at oshkosh uh, yes next next week then Yes, let me just give you, let me give myself a plug. One, anyone comes at the booth, I think we're just going to do a 15% discount for anyone that comes at the booth. As long as you leave us your email, we'll have a little email set up. We're going to give you 15% off any order. And we're in Hangar B, and we're in booth 2022 and 2023 inside the hangar. So please come up and say hi to us. Uh, get your 15% discount. We'll have maybe 100 different aircraft to look at. There's a lot to absorb. Uh, but come out, come out and say hi to us. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join us. And uh, it's just fascinating. Can't wait to see you out there next week. Thank you, Jeff. I look forward to seeing you too. You have a great night. Thank you, bud. Thanks. And to all of you, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join us here again on Social Flight Live. As we said earlier, next week we are off. No live show next week, but there'll be plenty of content coming out of AirVenture as I will be on the ground there with Jake and Ben uh, walking the grounds, making videos. We'll be, again, at our partners. So if you're going to be there at the show, be sure to go to any of the folks that are here on this sign behind me and uh, ask for us. We'll be around, and if we bump into you and we still have some stuff in our bag, then uh, you will be able to snag some swag at AirVenture, and we'd love to meet you. Absolutely love to, to, to meet all of you folks, talk about things. It keeps us in touch and lets us know what you want to see, who you want to see come on the show next, what other kinds of things you want us to focus on. And, of course, there's more coming out with our T-51D Mustang build behind me. Lots of new stuff coming. Uh, we just launched another video as we did things on that. We put in uh, uh, McFarland control cables that have been engraved. Lots of fun with that. And we've got just, just some really cool stuff coming. And, of course, a very big episode that will be coming up when this guy moves out of our living room and dining room here near Boston in Massachusetts. Again, to all of you, thanks so much for taking time out of your evening. It is greatly appreciated. We're here to support you and general aviation. And I wish all of you blue skies.